On this Inside Music Cast New Artist Profile, we take you across the pond to the home of the UK's own Nathan Williams. When we recently discovered his music, we were spellbound at the maturity and quality of his sound and musicianship at such a young age. The formerly trained Nate Williams is the complete package. He can write, virtually play any instrument, drums, horns, bass, guitar and keys, and can sing to say the least. His debut album, Got to Let Go, delivers 13 tracks that have R&B, soul, funk and West Coast sprinkled all over them to create a truly unique sound. Needless to say, we're glad to introduce him to you today.
Inside Music Cast welcomes the omni-talented Nathan Williams. Hey, Nate, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. It's an honor. Yeah, thank you very much. Hey, Nate, welcome to Inside Music Cast's uh, new artist spotlight. And uh, and it's uh, and also, first thing, uh, congratulations on your re- new release of your new album, which is entitled Got to Let Go. So kudos to you. Thank you very much, guys. Yeah. This album is currently uh, available right now on iTunes. And even most recently, correct me if I'm wrong, Nate, uh, but on YouTube also, right? Yeah, it's all on YouTube, uh, Spotify, you know, the usual kind of places. Before we get started with the new chat uh, regarding the album, you know, just to inform and educate our, our listeners as to how we discovered you and, and sort of uh, how we crossed paths, but uh, mostly to, to, to get them, uh, give them an insight as to who you are. And so, you know, m- many of our past guests, they don't really shy away from, from giving credit, like to their families for pointing them in the direction of the path of music, you know. Was this the case for you? We, we sort of think that it is. But you talk to us as to how you first uh, had your first experience with uh, playing music. Yeah, um, I guess it's not too different to to the kind of people you were talking about, where I kind of grew up in a musical family. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, like the whole family. It was like, you know, grandparents, like everybody. Really? But I kind of grew up in a house where, you know, the regular kind of record collection consisted of Stevie Wonder, Quincy Jones, Michael Jackson. I didn't know who the Beatles were until I was about 15. Oh, wow. Uh, So I was really just into that whatever you want to call that kind of music, you know, soul, mm-hmm. a lot of West Coast stuff. Um, I kind of, pl- I played in a brass band when I was a kid. <laughs> really? <laughs> till, till I was about 20, yeah. I, I kind of played, that's where I learned to read. That's where I kind of learned all those kind of skills. And I played a few brass instruments in my time, but um, I couldn't really, I couldn't really gig on them now, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was, uh, it's thanks to my parents, really, mostly. I think dad for kind of introducing me to that kind of music, yeah. the kind of music I'm, I'm making now, I guess, you know. Yeah. Well, talk to us a little bit about the, the brass band. I mean, was yeah. that does that mean that uh, you're uh, you were a horn player? Uh, uh, you know what 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 did yeah. you what did you wet your your lips on there? Well, I started uh, well when I was really young. I started playing piano. I started. Um, Dad brought home a snare drum, but I went to the brass band and played a tenor horn, an E flat tenor horn for for years, and I realized I kind of uh, I kind of sucked <laughs> pretty bad. So uh, I moved started playing percussion. You know, tune percussion. Uh, and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and that's where I, that's, I owe a lot to that really for the reading and the discipline of you know playing with conductors mds and that kind of thing ensemble playing in general pretty cool but my uncle was the conductor of that band you know my granddad played in the band my mum played in the brass band my sister so yeah it's kind of crazy hey nate uh this is rick uh good, thanks for joining us today i haven't had, had a chance to speak yet but <laughs> before i actually get to, a chance to ask a question i wanted to let you know that uh inside music cast correspondent brian pearson is here with us today hey brian how's it going guys Hey, Brian. Oh, nice to speak to you finally. Yeah, I have, uh, man, I can't say enough about this album. I've digested it for about the past 10 days. We've been going back and forth, chatting a little bit about it. But there's just so many influences that we hear on this album that really stand out. Um, are there any particular artists that are really close to your heart? I'm possibly one of the biggest stevie wonder fans on the planet you know just uh (laughs) stevie and quincy jones i guess those are my two guys i've never heard of either one of those guys yeah who are those guys Uh, (laughs) up uh, up and comers that you'll you'll hear from soon i think they're coming up fantastic (laughs) well you know you're a multi-instrumentalist in fact you know you play most if not all of the instruments on got to let go and uh from drums to, to keys uh we know that you've grown up, you know, experimenting with a lot of instruments. And uh, tell us about that particular aspect of putting together 
an album, you know, full of songs, but then also attacking the instrumentation and arrangement side of that. I mean, that's, do you prefer that or would you have rather brought in some other players or do you have some other players on this album? Uh, no, the album as it is, is, is all me. Wow. Uh, all the, all the instruments are me. Uh, it's basically two people involved in the project in, in the actual music making. Uh, apart from the featured artist, of course, there's a couple of uh, features on there, which we can speak about later maybe. Um, but it's me doing everything. And, and it was mixed by myself and a chap called Russ Hayes, who's based in North Wales, which is where I'm from originally. Yeah. Um, so we, a tiny studio, a few bits of outboard gear, but um, a, lot, a lot of the stuff was done at home here in London. Um, I've got a little setup at home. A lot of the programming and stuff was done by me here. We recorded uh, live instrument, you know, drums and like you say, vocals, guitar up at, up at the studio. But uh-huh. it's, it's kind of, it's a strange one because it's something I've done since I was quite young. So I, I, I kind of don't think about it anymore, which sounds, it's kind of a lame answer, I suppose. But it's something I've done since, I remember when I had access to the brass band rehearsal room, I would stay there till, you know, when I was about 16, 17, I would stay there till the early hours <laughs> doing this thing on a, on a digital 12 track. Yeah. Just, just, just because I enjoyed it, you know. Yeah, it's absolutely. Kind of, well, yeah. tell us about the uh, the studio that you recorded this album. I mean, uh, is this uh, is this like a commercial studio for hire, or is this like a personal uh, studio or a friend's studio? It's uh, yeah, I guess yeah, you could call it a commercial studio. It's it's kind of uh, really small. Uh, it just caters for kind of local projects up in North Wales. Um, yeah, it's small and it's all kind of in the box stuff. I'm I'm a bit of a production freak and I'm yeah. really into the mixing. I'm on a big Dave Pensado thing at the moment. I can't get enough of his website and stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, but it's it's nothing to say really. It's kind of a small uh, one live room. Uh, recorded the vocals there. Recorded uh-huh. backing vocals at home. Recorded Vula, one of the featured artists, in a, another studio. But it was all, yeah, just in in one small control room essentially. You know, you said you're a bit of a production nut. I'm assuming this was a, was it a digital recording, or, or are you experimenting with analog like so many artists are, are trying at, trying to go back to these days? I kind of didn't have access. Okay, uh, that's, so that's the was, difficult was, part. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Basically, I mean, we had a couple of outboard things that I, you know, just a huge fan of, of like the old 1176 and uh, 1073. So right, we we right. had a, the best mic chain I could hope for, the best vocal chain I could, you know, U87. Sure. Uh, yeah, so that was that was kind of the important thing. But for the rest of the stuff, we kind of it was just in in the box, really. Nate, uh, we know that your dad is a is a keyboardist, and he actually plays quite a bit lately. And uh, uh, you know, you you mentioned your whole family as the influence, but was there any one influencer? Uh, it might have been your dad as to a keyboardist uh, that sort of uh, sort of poured into you in a in a different way, or who was who was that one family member that uh, that that did that? Oh, I'm gonna sort of. I'm gonna upset a lot of people if I if I choose one person. <laughs> um, but no, I think I think it'd be fair to say that dad, dad was really important, in, uh, particularly growing up and listening to. He's as you say a keyboard player, um, and he'd often be gigging when I was a kid and working out songs in the next room. So I'd have my little keyboard with me, just listening to him and then figuring out myself, you know, in the next room, just to see if he was working on like Penny Lane or you know. I seem to remember that song for some reason. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my mom was there kind of, you know, in, in the brass band thing when I was a kid, holding, holding my arms and helping me play the snare drum. Um, so yeah, I can't really, I can't really choose. My uncle was a, another big kind of influence. You know, I did a lot of gigging with my uncle. He's a trumpet player. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of where I learned my, my kind of, I paid my dues, I suppose you could, you could say. Yeah. Uh, gigging, you know, doing all the toilet venues and <laughs> weddings, <laughs> funerals, bar mitzvahs, you know, <laughs> whatever it takes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Nate, we talked about your influences and the uh, the R and B Motown sound has been so embraced by the Brits for for decades. I mean, some of my favorite bands, I'm sure you know, Incognito, Brand New Heavies, Jamiroquai. You guys love soul. They love R and B. What can you tell us about your appetite that you guys in the U- UK have for soul? How do you, how do you really explain that? Do you know, it's, it, I've been thinking about it, and I, I'm not really sure where it comes from. Uh, it just seems to have stayed here. I mean, obviously, the the kind of the Amy Winehouse thing really had a big effect on sure, on, on really. UK music and that kind of our, that Motown sound. Um, I think it's just a lot of talented producers and, and you know, like Mark Ronson, obviously uh, played a big part in that Amy Winehouse record. I, I genuinely don't know where it's come from. Uh, well, I know where it's come from. It's come from you guys over the pond, but <laughs> I don't know how it stays so strong. You know, I think it's just a big, big sort of fan base for it and. The response, even to something as, I guess, mine's my album's not particularly pop, you know, but it, it yeah. seems to have had an amazing response. So there's, there's definitely a thriving market for it. I just, mm-hmm. I, I have no idea how, why it's still here, but it's, it's great. I think it's amazing. Hey, Nate, did you happen to catch the interview we did recently with Jared Lawson? I did, yeah. Well, you know, that, that's the same question that uh, Brian just posed to you because, you know, he's his music is just full of soul and he's also heavily influenced by Stevie Wonder and that guy's just got an amazing voice and he's a super talent and he just played, uh, I think he's over there right now. As a matter of fact, I think yeah, he, just, yeah, he, he just played uh, in Sweden I, and, and uh, he's selling shows out everywhere he's going over there and, and it's, it's uh, it, you know, uh, I, I was just curious about, you know, uh, in, in, in a sense, uh, from your standpoint, um, do you tour a lot now? That you know, I know the album's just about to come out. Has it been released yet? The new album? Uh, the album's come out uh, digitally. Um, so okay. the, the physical copy's out in the next few weeks, I think. Still okay. Kind of- and then are you going to plan to support this by uh, touring? Yeah, I've got some kind of uh, some nice gigs lined up. There's this kind of uh, an unexpected fan base forming in kind of Scandinavia, those kinds of places like you mentioned. Jared's gone to yeah. Sweden. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to get the, the physical copy out. Um, there's still a lot of people out there who don't who don't want to use the digital sort of forums, you know. So right, right. A lot of people haven't heard the album yet, which is uh, which is a shame. Yeah, whenever you go to a to if you get to Stockholm, those areas, be looking for a a, a great friend of ours who's a correspondent for Inside Music Cast. His name is Mikhail Ingstrom, and I'm sure we'll point him your way so you guys can connect because uh, uh, I'm sure you'll have a good time chatting this out, you know. Sounds great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a few people I've, I've got in touch with over there who's, you guys know uh, Ole Borud, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Good yeah. friend of ours. So a uh, bass player who plays with him, Lars, um, we got in touch recently on Facebook and, you know, he's hooked me up with a few venues over there and he, yeah. he's going to put a band for me, band around me and that kind great. of thing. So, wow. yeah, it's great. He's yeah. the guy to put a band together. That's yeah. all I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Once you go to Stockholm, there is no doubt in my mind that you'll be well received. Oh, thank you, man. Well, I'm hoping so. <laughs> hey, well, let's start talking a little bit about this very fresh project of yours called Got to Let Go. Uh, and, and this is a lot of music. I mean, you have around 13 tracks. And uh, uh, I will say that the, your opening track, which is called Best Friend, uh, it's a track that definitely sets the stage for the rest of the album. It's it's amazing. The groove is so deep and the mix is is really super clean. I mean, it's um, talk to us about this this track a little bit, would you? Yeah, um, well, I, f- I find I didn't really set out to initially to write an album. You know, these, some of these songs are, um, are a couple of years old, but this this is one of the newer ones. Um, and I tend to get really inspired by sounds. You know, like new sounds. If I get if I buy a new drum plugin or I, I hear a new drum kit or something, and I, I ended up just programming a groove. 
um, which actually the drums opened the whole track. So yeah, it started with that. And I, and I just played around with this, uh, not to get too technical, but I was kind of this kind of quartal harmony thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, just I wanted to keep that kind of pattern, the chord pattern, but then, you know, changing the bass notes and yeah, it just, uh, again, in the chorus, I, I don't know how well you guys know the song, but um, there's this kind of bell yeah. synth thing over the top of it. And that, that was another sound where I just heard it and went, oh man. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and this, this is something, you know. Yeah, don't hesitate at all, Nate, by the way, in breaking down the, the track for us as to even getting technical. A lot of our listeners are very, very technical. And they're, oh, I'm sure. They're musicians at a high level. So, um, no, no, just don't hesitate at all. Um, speaking of best friend, you know, but for me, you know, this track really, um, you know, it really kicks it into gear almost sort of late uh, in the track when you, um, I think it's right around the four-minute mark that you add the Moog bass line. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, that was so tasteful. I wasn't expecting that. And and uh, it, it just slapped me in the face. You know, it just said, take that, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it I'm was sitting really here cool. with, my, with my Moog little fatty right now. Mm-hmm. And um, that that was added really late on. It was, yeah. it, the whole track was kind of, it was just, oh, you can imagine it. Without, without the Moog, it just kind of pleasantly kind of flows along. The grooves right. kind of felt nice. But I thought, mm, just feels like it needs another step up before we finish. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and I just pulled up a, a nice kind of s- s- generic Moog bass patch, I suppose you could call it. And uh, yeah, that was like the first take, I think. I just played it in and kept it, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, even going a little deeper into this track, you know, it's it's kind of driven by a, a clean road sound. You know, a, the, the drum track sounds awesome. And, and of course, the, the bass, you know, you know, obviously that was kind of a... Uh, kind of uh, supported by the, the Moog a little bit. But tell me, how, how did you keep from overplaying on this? I mean, do you think, I mean, you kept it really nice and clean. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a difficult one. Uh, I suppose I, I grew up listening to lots of, of, I suppose you might call busy music. I was really into fusion. I, I grew up as a drummer. I was the, you know, the biggest Dave Weckl fan on the planet. And, and I, th- I suppose that kind of thing got me into kind of playing a lot. But I, I guess I've mellowed in my old age. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, always supporting the song as well, you know, kind of, it's a bit of a cliche now, I think, but knowing it's that kind of old thing of knowing what, when not to play, I guess, and letting other things come through. So the vocal was really important, um, obviously on a song like that. Um, yeah, but in terms of overplaying, it was, you kind of got to hone these, these things, haven't you? I suppose so I started off with it, with a harmony idea and then just started working on parts. Mm-hmm. I suppose it yeah. wasn't as simple as just me me playing that those kind of crotchet, uh, sorry, quarter note um, road parts. You know, it was kind of just playing playing around with parts and seeing what would fit and seeing how the vocal would sit on top. Yeah. Um, well, it it's works. Kind of a dull, dull story. Yeah, thank it, you. It works very nicely. Um, I'm really pleased with the you know obviously with the with the whole album, but that track in particular, as it was, uh, as it was one of the newer ones. You know, I'm really kind of um, pleased with how it came across in the mm-hmm. end. Great. Hey guys, let's take our first break and uh, let's check out this track, Best Friend. This is from our guest today, Nathan Williams, from his new album, Got to Let Go, on Inside Music Cast. Never meant to meet you. Like you see right through me 
When uh, I first came across the SoundCloud website, that's when I heard Seven Years, and that's definitely the track that hooked uh, me in, and then I had sent that over to Eddie, and uh, I believe you were hooked too, correct? Oh my goodness, big time. (laughs) (laughs) We were just comparing notes, and we came up with two pretty simple words, and I think we were leaning towards Al Jarreau. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll say that. Touch the nerves in your inch with such a classic West Coast vibe. And Eddie and I and Rick always go back and forth as far as when those classic years took place. And we always kind of in that zone of 1978 to 82. Yeah. Can, okay. can you talk to us about the, the hook and the chord progressions in that great song? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, again, it was one of those. It's, it, that's a few years old now, that song. Um, hmm. So okay. I kind of don't remember exactly what what I was working on, but I, I remember the, the groove was what started it all. This idea of not having anything on the one, you know, or coming in slightly later in the bar, it just kind of set it up for me. Um, but then this tension, I'm, I'm kind of really into this tension and release, you know, in music. I think that's possibly the most important thing. Um, so that having the harmony move with that pedal, um, you guys already know it's in the key of D, right? Mm-hmm. You've done your homework. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so it's having that kind of the harmony move uh, and creating a little bit of tension. So, um, uh, so you kind of, it's briefly passing some really dissonant notes, but you don't really feel it, I guess, in the chord progression. Um, 
but then the, the most interesting part for me is the pre-chorus where there's this kind of um for those of you who know your your music theory working up a, a diminished a whole half diminished thing with some uh, just all in the same position but minor seven chords mm-hmm. and, and I, I don't even know where that came from oh. i kind of uh, i wasn't really aware of what it was that was happening i th- i seem to have some i was trying to think of the album some earlier stevie stuff maybe in this you know 70s kind of stevie stuff i had in my mind like uh too high and those kinds of things sure mm-hmm. yeah. those kinds of tunes you know um yeah but then and I, I just played it and i thought oh man right yeah yeah i'll use i'll use that <laughs> Yeah. Well, your guitar work is 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 simply wonderful on this track. Uh, it, oh, it's sort you. of unexpected, but it's it's really uh, detailed. It's very crafted, and uh, you know, from the lead of the rhythm to the you know just the guitar parts as a whole, it it takes it to a different level. And uh, and uh, you have a nice way of of punching in the the lead synth and bass lines. I think uh, that which is woven pretty much throughout the whole album, right? Uh, yeah, I wanted to kind of keep that theme i guess i, I guess um, some of my sort of closer friends and people who have heard uh, heard these various incarnations of these songs will 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 tell you that perhaps they've changed over the years but I, I was really aware when it started coming to i was i was putting together a body of work that you know that you wanted it to feel like a, a cohesive kind of a, a, just an album you know like a, a whole album that worked together um so i suppose i started finding these themes um but like you say, yeah, if they, it's kind of woven throughout, that kind of thing going on. Speaking of vocals on this particular track, how many vocal parts did you lay down for this for this particular song? Ooh, um, pretty complex. Yeah, yeah. This get, uh, normally the way it works. For, for, I mean, each song's obviously different, but there'll obviously be a lead vocal and potentially in the choruses uh, another couple around that um, either side. And then a, a minimum of of kind of three parts doubled and then I kind of again it depends on the song you know but there could be another kind of six or seven after that okay yeah but it's just about the production and the sound we wanted to go for so occasionally you'll I'll record one harmony sort of four times and have two of them panned kind of narrow and another two pretty wide um yeah it just depends on the whole thing on the sound you want to go for but in terms yeah. of the arrangements there's a couple of parts throughout the album where well, I'd like to think I can't compare myself to them at all, but um, there's a couple of take six kind of influenced parts um, where I've kind of really gone for some arrangements. But um, yeah, I wish I could get those guys on a track, man. Well, hey guys, this track Seven Years is is a fantastic one. It's one of my favorites on the album. And uh, I want to pause for a second and uh, let's go ahead and play this one for our listeners. This is Seven Years from our guest today, Nathan Williams, and his new album, Got to Let Go. Spent my 
A couple of other tracks, Infatuated and Show Me, are tracks where, you know, the funk really breaks out. And, and can you talk about your influences here for us? I mean, because Eddie and I were listening and, and, you know, we hear little cameos, some Gap Band, Ohio <laughs> players and bits and pieces. And, you know, lots of lots of funky guitar licks in this one, uh, on both of these. Yeah, I mean, uh, a serious influence for that stuff is uh, In Square Circle, that Stevie Wonder album. Um, okay. There's a track on there, I think. I think it's spiritual walkers i think it's called there you go um which yeah that album was just a huge influence for me I, I remember kind of listening to it when i was a kid in the car not really knowing what it was you know when i was five or six um but then really kind of coming back to it and over the last few years and thinking man it's unbelievable the writing and the that's the album that has overjoyed on it obviously which is one of stevie's uh biggest tunes i guess yes yes um yeah but in terms of the 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 production, I guess that kind of was for the whole album, really. That 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 album was was a big influence. But in terms of the guitars, I mean, there's some pretty unapologetic Prince references in there, I guess, in terms of the sound, you know, that clean Strat sound. Yeah, a lot of it is just me kind of playing, uh, not really kind of parts, just kind of just enjoying myself in the studio, which maybe isn't the most sensible. But uh, I was pretty pleased with the outcome, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pleased with it. And we, we borrowed a couple of guitars from some very kind people up in North Wales, actually. So it wasn't all my equipment. I should point that out. People okay. have been very kind <laughs> lending, lending me things. Yeah. Nate, out of curiosity on, on the ballad, uh, just for tonight, how did you settle on that interesting synth lead? And the, the drum sound, specifically at the beginning, they work well uh, along with the roads and the bass lines later on in that song. 
Yeah, I I started the the track with again. I was going through this kind of experimental kind of just trying different sounds. I didn't want to make just another funk soul album, so I was looking for various ways sure, to kind mix of it up a bit. get some sounds. Yeah, but I, I we ended up. Um, I put at home. I programmed this, these toms, these uh, kind of eight oh eight ish kind of toms um, with some spring reverb just a, a gen- generic spring reverb on them just to kind of liven them up. But in the studio, I think we, I think there was an old Laney guitar amp. I forget the model, but uh, lying around and we just took the head out of that and used the spring. Kind of reverb. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, we just used, we put the, the, the toms through that. So that's a real Laney spring reverb you're hearing. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. You know, there's a, there's a couple of tracks that sort of, uh, in the middle of the project, they sort of drive up uh, the pace of the album. And you know what I'm talking about, DTMB and, and don't want to talk about it. Um, sure. Great hooks, and uh, they break out uh, with an interesting guest vocalist. And I think you you told us a little earlier on that you did have some contributors. Um, who is doing the female vocal on this part? Uh, she's a, a ridiculously talented friend of mine called yeah. Vula. Um, she's made a, a name for herself singing with people like um, the Basement Jacks, um, mm-hmm. has her own projects going on but she's it was kind of i think i've been in london for maybe seven years uh funnily enough and that's one of the songs but um i've sort of made it a mission of mine to work with vula since i moved to london and it's taken me about that long she's busy she's in demand um she was one of these kind of mythical sort of legends in london that i'd heard of and heard sing you know and she's she's done she's been on the road with Layla hathaway recently okay. um <laughs> And Layla and her are really close. Um, watching them on stage is unbelievable. They're like, you know, just kind of young sort of sisters just messing around on stage. Just, just like they know each other so well. Yeah, it's incredible. But it's just an, a pleasure to, to... I engineered that session. I'm quite pleased with that. I engineered her, um, her vocal session. Very, very nice, you know. Yeah, I was really pleased. You know, there's also one other um, track. It's called uh, Big, Big Screen Love, in which you also had the help of another uh, female vocalist and i believe her name is uh, amy true um yeah. tell us a little about about working with her are these the only two vocalists that you uh incorporated into the the project yeah the only two features uh on the whole album mm-hmm. um amy was a strange one um i'd actually kind of originally um sorted out to have somebody else feature on the track um but it kind of became difficult to sort it out with dates and schedules and whatnot um so I was without a, a guest on that track for a while. And then a friend of mine pointed me in the direction of this, this girl I'd never heard of. Um, so I checked her music out and I thought she was great. Um, got in touch with her. She had a setup at home. She, I, I've never met her still to this day. I've never met Amy. True. <laughs> really? Um, yeah. We've spoken via email on the phone, but um, yeah, never met her, but she, she kind of understood exactly what I wanted. Um, wow. Made suggestions in terms of the, you know, I had an idea of what I wanted her to say, but she kind of, twisted my arm and said, well, maybe it should be this, maybe it should be that. And we kind of, we got there in the end. I, I was really kind of stressing about that because my, my initial plans kind of fell through, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that's, that's another one I'm really proud of in terms of the groove on that song. And yeah. also, I guess the most basic harmonically, it's, it's the same kind of all the way through. Right. Um, which, I, which I was kind of pleased about. It's kind of, that's my kind of my nod to the pop world, I suppose, at the moment. There's a lot of those kind of, you know, four-bar, eight-bar loops which can create whole songs. Yeah, It's yeah. not really my thing, but I, f- I felt I made something that felt good enough that I could, it could kind of, it could sustain a whole song, support a whole song, really. Yeah. 
Well, we've got a few more questions about tracks, but I, I just thought of something, and, and I don't think we asked it in the beginning of the show, but um, ha, is this your first album? Is this the first album you've produced, or have you released other material in the past? No, this is my first uh, release. Okay. I, I was involved with with various projects over the years, but um, this is my first uh, solo effort, yeah. Okay. Well, another track on the album is, um, and it's kind of one of the hottest tracks in my opinion, it's called Not My Problem. And, um, you know, I... I think something I really appreciate about this particular track are, are the drum tracks, and and it you know it kind of has a, a you know Bernard Purdy shuffle kind of feel to it, and and uh, <laughs> I was just curious, you know, were these drums? I'm, I'm assuming they were tracked live, uh, right? You, did you track those live, or were they programmed? Yeah, they were they were tracked live. Um, okay. Wow, that's nice. Yeah, and that that snare drum on that song is uh, we we tried maybe three or four snare drums on that tune, and the one you hear is possibly one of the cheapest snare drums. On the market, <laughs> it, yeah, it was such cheap and beaten up thing, but we yeah. it sounded great. So, isn't isn't it funny how the the most unlikely instruments that, I mean, it's not the quality of the instruments, it's the sound and and how you probably went through that process of no, this is not going to work, this is going to work. Uh, that that's pretty interesting how that process works, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we we tried lots of different things. We spent a long time miking up the drum kit, uh, you know, and also I should point out this album was kind of made at. Um, in different chunks of time because I, you know, I was recording up in Wales, but I had to travel back to London to to gig, to work, to pay my bills, you know. Yeah. Um, so the first few weeks we spent kind of set, you know setting up recording at drums and and getting really good sounding drum parts. Um, there's a couple of things like you know we cheated a couple of times where um, I think it's the seven years where I think I recorded that without toms. We didn't set any toms up because it didn't sound right in the room. Hmm. Um, so I just dropped them in later. So there's a couple of fills, you know, it's not very Tom heavy, but uh, there are a couple of bits where I dropped the songs, the Toms in later on. Yeah. yeah. Um, you, you couldn't really just tell. Just isolation. Yeah, it, it went so smoothly, your editing. And, and, you know, let me just shift gears a little bit and talk about, you know, your engineering skills and your, you know, because that uh, it sounds so clean that uh, at first I thought, well, there's no way you could have played everything and actually produced and engineered everything. How deep, uh, how do you classify yourself in regarding the, the engineering of it? Uh, I mean, Rick's an engineer. You just got back from L.A. for a big show. Yeah. Uh, so you're talking to engineers right here. And and uh, how did you take that cap and put it on as an engineer to, to – Well, I, I have to be kind of honest. Um, only there are only a few bits which which I kind of which I did in that um, which I engineered. Uh, Russ Hayes has to take the credit for okay for for most for the vast majority of the engineering. He did an incredible job. Um, but he's this guy. He's just one of these guys who you know you, you'll be recording a snare drum and he'll go, yeah, there's that. Can you hear that ringing? Can you hear that kind of squeak in in, in the background? And I'm yeah. sitting there, kind of no, not really. But yeah. he take it out and you go, oh man, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what it was. But he you know he spends. He'll spend ages. I let him tune the drums, you know, because he, he kind of knows his room better than I do. He, he yeah, he, he's just really into that kind of thing. So I, I kind of put a lot of trust in him. Um, and he's someone I would recommend anyone to work with. You know, he's, he's got ridiculous ears, yeah. um, knows his studio, knows the equipment. Um, yeah, I, I can't thank him enough. You know, he's, he did an incredible job. Yeah. Well, you alluded to your microphones that you used, um, you know, vocally and, and for the for the other recording, but um, let's talk about guitar equipment and uh, maybe some keyboards. Uh, you know, what uh, what kind of patches are you using? What kind of software? Where did you get your road sounds? And and did the road sounds change during the course of the, the album? Um, so, yeah, there's a big mix. Uh, so that the track, the best friend track that you, you spoke about was, um, was a Rhodes 
through the contact player, I think it was a native instruments, um, Scarby, I think it is the Rhodes, mm-hmm. um, which I kind of, uh, processed a little, a little bit at home, um, with some kind of tape saturation and that kind of thing. There's, there's a little, you might hear a slight kind of slap delay on it and that's from, from mm-hmm. a tape kind of emulator thing. Um, so yeah, that's that. We, we also recorded a real Rhodes, which again, I was able to, to kind of hire from a, a local, a, another local studio up there where I've done some sessions in the past and they were, you know, they gave me a, a, a 73 roads for you know like 20 pounds for the day yeah uh, i guess that's maybe like 25 27 dollars i sure. don't know um yeah so that was really great um i have a few synth uh plugins at home the artoria stuff is is amazing um so really? there's a few there's a, an arp 2600 uh what else do we use Oh, I think the bass sound on uh, "Don't Want to Talk About It" is uh, it's by G Force. What's it called? Hmm. I forget what it's called now. Oh, the Oddity. It's based on the old uh, Odyssey synth. Gotcha. Um, yeah, th- but there's there's probably too many for me to mention. Yeah. The, the, a lot of the drums were from the Arturia uh, Spark as well, which is based on a lot of the old um, a lot of old drum machines, vintage drum machines, uh, the Lin stuff, some of the old Yamaha drum machines. Yeah. Um, I let you the connoisseurs pick out which ones are which. I guess. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I want to keep this moving on. There's there's one track that's uh, it's it's really interesting. It's a uh, it's one of your slowest I I mean slowest groove ballads that you have on the on the album. It's called Miss You. Yeah. And for me, you know what? When I first heard this uh, musical uh, you know interlude of you know moving through the song, I mean it had Teddy Pendergrass all over this thing. He <laughs> oh, was like he was stuck. It's, it's almost as if I, I thought that you had written the song for him because I don't know if uh, if if you ever imagine other people singing your songs. I mean, uh, I sort of took that angle, and you know, when I listened to it, I said, "Oh, this is this is so deep soul, Pendergrass." You know, Pendergrass because it's got a slow cook to it. You know, um, yeah, it, it's wonderful. Talk to us about this ballad that that's really down tempoed. Yeah, I mean, that one changed a lot when we came to record it. Um, initially, we, we tracked real drums, um, played the bass in. Uh, we recorded a piano, uh, a nice Bosendorfer Grand, um, which was, again, in the brass band rehearsal space. They were kind enough to let me use that space and use the Bosendorfer. Hmm. Um, and then I kind of I took the files home and just kind of lived with it for a while. I wasn't happy with how it was sounding, so I went through my kind of sample library of drums and found these kind of big kind of almost uncomfortably big sounding kind of snare drum things and i decided to go for a much more kind of ambient sound um i don't know if it's audible on all uh speakers and headphones but there is there's a constant uh kind of pulsating synth sound which i'm, I'm sure some of you might have heard already mm-hmm. uh through from maybe the first pre-chorus and i just wanted that just to create just not not an uncomfortable sensation, but just something that you can't quite figure out what's going on. There's there's movement, but I can't tell where it is, kind of thing. A little bit of tension um, there, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, again, you know, it's that kind of tension and, and release. But um, yeah, so we changed the track drums. I, I just uh, I like committing to these things, so I just said, yeah, let's just delete them, delete the files, and, and we did. Well, um, yeah, and and that was pretty much it. And I was just much happy with it, and I started playing around with. This is kind of uh, little blips in the distance and, and whatnot. So I started reversing sounds and, and adding just to create that slightly more, I guess, in, in keeping with most of the album to keep that electronic kind of, I guess it is kind of 80s electronic kind of sounds. Yeah, 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 like right. you said about having a theme running through. 
one of the other songs um, that was really been sticking out in my head over the last ten days. I've actually been singing it in my head day after day after day. <laughs> is, is Flatline? Uh, just, <laughs> okay. just a great track, and it kind of puts me back to like Prince's Sign of the Times period when he was experimenting with different sounds and and everything. And that's one of my favorite Prince albums. Um, it's almost like it's a, a kettle drum that you're using. But uh, it seems like you're you're definitely trying some new approaches. Um, so my question is: Are you looking at these songs from every perspective, in terms of production and writing and all that kind of stuff? Sure. Uh, yeah, uh, it was again, like I said, I kind of I wanted to make an album. Once I decided to make, I was going to make an album. I, I kind of thought, right, I need some kind of sound. Uh, and like I mentioned, that in Square Circle was a massive influence for me. The Stevie Wonder album. Right. Um, and then I started looking into, uh, I guess I've always been into production and that kind of stuff. So I was, I really got into it for, for a kind of a purpose, you know, for my own thing. Um, ultimately I kind of, I hope this kind of could, can help me kind of work as a producer and, and with other people, but this was, yeah, a massive kind of learning curve for me. Um, but I was, yeah, just trying to, trying to make these songs interesting. Like Flatline, for example, is, is an old song that sounded nothing like this. The only thing I kept from the old version was, was the title. Okay, uh, and the theme, you know, um, I've had so many messages from people asking if it's supposed to end like that. Um, I don't know if you guys know how it ends, but it sort of it, ends it's pretty very ab- old, right? I actually thought there was something wrong with my dog. yeah. <laughs> I've just been telling people, well, just read the title again and see if you can decide what it means. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the idea is that the song kind of dies at the end, you know. Um, but yeah, I was working around with some of the synths. There's a real kind of um, heavy, kind of uh, pre-delayed reverb on the snare drum yep. throughout, which keeps. It's part of the groove. There's this almost this kind of breathing yeah. uh, sound. Um, yeah, I mean, there's this. If you hear it through the chorus, there's that kind of heart monitor sound, mm-hmm. um, which I kind of made a decision. Uh, the, the music theory geek in me frowned, <laughs> but um, but I kept the the pulse at the same pitch through the chorus, mm-hmm. uh, where it technically shouldn't be on that on that G because of the, there's a, a G sharp diminished chord mm-hmm. and the, the, the G natural shouldn't really work, but I left it in anyway. Well, way to beat, way to beat back the, the music you theory know, geek. <laughs> <laughs> I've forgiven myself now. It's okay. Yeah, I'm right. okay. Well, Hey guys, let's pause for a second and uh, let's, let's get this song back into, into Brian's head again so we can have that earworm for the rest of the day. <laughs> and this is the track flatlined from Nathan Williams. Got to let go on inside music cast.
Got to Let Go, we all agree here, is a fantastic album. And um, and we've had, Eddie and Brian and I have all had like a week or so to really digest this, and, and we've been listening quite a bit. And I was thinking, you know, it's, it is a wonderfully crafted album from start to finish, and I just wondered in listening if there are any tracks or, you know, over the course of the 13 that are on this album that kind of gave you a challenge, that were the biggest challenge for you personally, whether it was from a writing or recording or producing standpoint. Yeah, I, I mean, like I said, uh, "Miss You" was was a big challenge. As uh-huh. I I couldn't quite figure out why I didn't like it for a while, uh-huh. um, but eventually, like I said, you know, realized it, it was the drums. Um, we spent a long time, myself and, and Russ, the the engineer, um, getting this the sound of the drums on DTMB, which uh, features Vula. Mm-hmm. I spent a long time on those drums just to get the, the kind of the depth. Actually, in, in the process, we were kind of mixing, and I, and I would strip. I stripped a lot of the songs back and started again because yeah. I, I figured, you know, the drums, the, the grooves, got to feel good on all the songs. So I, I kind of Russ has the patience of a saint. Uh, I decided to go to each chorus, strip it back to drums, and get the dr- drums feeling good, wow. uh, and then build it up slowly from there, and and, uh-huh. and it kind of worked for me. But in terms of uh, any any long processes, I think kind of just getting the right vocal takes on it on everything was was the one for me really i guess uh, growing up i was i've always been a kind of session musician and hiding behind other people you know playing doing my thing kind of making my money and and, and leaving you know uh but yeah but th- being at the front of a band or at the front of a project with with my voice is still relatively new for me even though i've you know i've done a few gigs uh standing in front of the band and that's fine but it's it's still kind of new so i'm still i still had to kind of leave the room when when we were mixing the vocal and let Russ kind of set the level a little bit higher than maybe I'd have it. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of, I'm still kind of relatively self-conscious about it, I guess. It's still new yeah. to me. So Sure. The vocals, yeah. Getting the vocals right, I think. Well, they turned out great. I mean. <laughs> it's an outstanding job. All, all through, you can you can sort of tell that this is, a, you had this in you, it was fighting to get out, and it's well, you know, wonderfully engineered and, and produced. So definitely we highly recommend this album. Hey, um, one other note, uh, and Brian Pearson was uh, mentioning this to me, but the way we connected to you was through uh, through another artist who was one of our top albums of uh, the Inside Music Cast uh, nominee for Album of the Year last year, and that was Atar Shafikian. Yeah, and uh, you guys are you uh, you and Atar are pretty close, is that right? Yeah, we've been good friends for uh, for a number of years now. Um, I played bass on that album. Oh, that's um, right. That's right. Okay. See, I knew there was some kind of connection there. <laughs> that's the one. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it, he's been so supportive through this process as well, man. He's, I, I send him kind of rough things or ideas, and and he's brutally honest. He's, that's you know, so much so where I kind of don't want to send him things anymore. You know, it's kind of like <laughs> he says, no, 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 don't use that song. That sucks. You know. Okay. Cool. When we first coordinated this this uh, interview with you, we both Eddie and I both kind of looked at each other, and Brian, we thought. Oh man, we feel kind of bad because we've known Atar, and you know, last year he was one of our uh, nominees for Album of the Year, and we haven't had him on the show yet. So, Atar, if you're listening, we apologize. We didn't mean to put Nate on first, you know. It's no, it's, <laughs> but we'll we, save the best for last, I guess. But we're gonna Nate, we or uh, Atar, we want to have you on the show at some point as well. So. No doubt. Hey, before we wrap up, though, uh, knowing that the digital version's out and you've got a CD on the way, correct? Yep. Go ahead and uh, promote a little bit here and tell tell everybody where they can uh, they can purchase the album or purchase the digital download and and uh, you know so they so we can uh, sell some records here for you. 
So the album is uh, the main obvious one, I guess, is iTunes. It's got to let go. Nate okay. Williams. Um, it's uh, it'll be on Amazon. Uh, lots of these kind of other places where I've never really heard of them. Uh, the kind of the smaller, like the smaller digital kind of forums. Um, it's you can check it out on my SoundCloud page, which is SoundCloud.com/slash Nate Williams Music. If you kind of, I guess that's a, like a try before you buy thing, you know. But um, okay, the response so far has been incredible, man. Just, yeah. yeah. Well, I will say that when you go to uh, iTunes to to look for this album, uh, keep in mind uh, those that are going to be surfing for it that there are several Nate Williams <laughs> out True. there who are musicians. True. So choose the right album. This is uh, the album is is called "Got to Let Go" and uh, yeah. and uh, it's uh, it's an excellent project. Congratulations! Thank you very much, guys. Yeah, and I wanted to uh, thank Brian Pearson up there near Chicago for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Nate. It's been a, a big pleasure to have you on. Yeah, it's great to finally speak to you, man. It's, uh, it's been a while, but uh, yeah, I'm really glad we did it. All right. Well, uh, please stay in touch, and we'll keep everybody informed about what you're up to, and uh, maybe down the road we can do this again. No doubt. That'll be a pleasure, guys. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks, Nate. Best to you. Thanks, Thank Nate. You. Bye-bye. Special thanks to Nathan Williams for joining us on this episode of Inside Music Cast. We'd also like to thank our correspondents, Kim Riley, Brian Pearson, Scott Gross, Max Zape, Mikhail Ingstrom, Loretta Sassaman, Scott Sheriff, Don Brightup, and Mats Unilon for their continued support and content development for Inside Music Cast. Inside Music Cast is powered by Cabello Associates and Earshot Audio Post. For information about becoming a sponsor and sharing your message with thousands of music fans around the world, please visit InsideMusicCast.com for contact information. For Eddie Cabello, I'm Rick Such. Thanks for listening to Inside Music Cast. 